this hope from God is not just for our benefit. As wonderful as that is, it's not an end in itself. We have been given this hope for an expanded reason, to comfort others. That's why we have been given this hope. And God's Word tells us that in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you'll turn there in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I love this passage. It's always been uh, an encouragement to my heart and at times a rebuke to my heart. But there in verses 3 through 7, let's read that. I'll read it and you read it silently. It said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ should abound in us, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Wonderful truth. We are to give the comfort to others that we have been comforted with by God. Such a wonderful truth. I want you to notice, first of all, Paul's salutation of praise. As he begins verse 3, he says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's doing there? He is praising God for his salvation plan. That's what he's doing. He's saying, all praise be to God for Jesus Christ. He is our hope. We wouldn't, God in his love and mercy gave his son on our behalf. And so Paul is praising the Lord for that. He's praising him for his salvation plan. He's also praising God for his mercies. You know, the gospel that you and I have embraced and have come to love and has given us the hope that we have for eternity is all because of the mercy of God. It's all because of His mercy that He extends to us day by day. It says there, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Paul Tripp says, Mercy here is heartfelt compassion that results in action toward another person. So the character of God is that of mercy. He extends mercy to us. And in this passage, we are to be extending mercy to others through the form of comfort. Because we see there, he's also praising God for his comfort. He said he's the God of all comfort. All comfort there means there's no limitation. None at all. Um, I think it was uh, Mrs. Lynn that said earlier, no one has suffered like Christ suffered for us. And he is the only one that can comfort us in any of our trials because he understands and he knows and he can bring that comfort. There's no limitation. And the word comfort there, the God of all comfort, is the word paraclete, which is the same thing as the name for, we give the Holy Spirit, that another name for the Holy Spirit, one who comes alongside and gives help and support and comfort. So this comfort comes from the Holy Spirit, God in the third person, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us. He brings this comfort, and we are supposed to give it to others. There is a purpose for trials. The purpose there in verse 4, it tells us that trials are for our own benefit so we can know God's comfort and trials come into our lives for the benefit of others so we can know how to comfort them. 
And the purpose in comfort is for ourselves. God gives us the comfort, and our purpose with that comfort is to give it to others and to help other people. Okay, there are two directives I just want to share with you today about how to comfort. Two directives, and we get it from God's Word. Number one, enter into their pain with them. Enter into their pain with them. And I'm not necessarily saying to take up their offense. Because ladies, you know this is true. Whether you want to give agreement to it or not. Nobody is has the corner of on the truth. You know, you've heard it said, there's always two sides to every story. Yes, there is. But really, ladies, you think about it, even those two sides don't have the whole story. They really don't. And if you take up the offense of somebody else and you don't have the, the full story, which you're not going to have, then you're really sinning against them and yourself and God. Because we don't know the whole. We're not necessarily supposed to take up somebody's offense, but we're supposed to meet them in their offense and comfort them, and be there for them. We're to empathize with them. That means to understand and share in their feelings. And you know, when you first get into this comforting thing, when someone something has happened in somebody's life, and, and you understand what they're going through, and you empathize, you share in their feelings, and you go to that person, don't try at that point to correct their thinking. That's not the time to correct their thinking. That What they need right then is for you to listen to them. Now, there will be a time as you're comforting that you give them Scripture and you help them to think right. But initially, no. You know, be there for them. I want you to turn your Bibles now to Isaiah 66. I want you to see something. We hear, and it's true, and I've said it this weekend, that... God is our Father, and He's there for us like a Father is there for us. He comforts like a Father comforts. But ladies, did you know God also comforts like a mother comforts? Isaiah 66 verse 13 tells us that. If you have it, it says there, As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. God comforts like a mother. Now, is there anything more special than a mother's comfort? You remember when you were a little kid or when you had your kids were little or if some of them are, some of you guys have little kids now and they get hurt. What happens? You take them into your arms and you come. You know, now, very rarely does, you know, a mother say, oh, just get up, forget it, you're okay, just brush it off. I mean, moms can do that. But really, if they're really hurt, what do we do? We gather them into our arms and we love them. We bring them to ourselves and we comfort them. That's what a mother does. Um, And it's like all is well. (laughs) Mom kissed it and it's fine. It's going to be good. I can remember when two days before my 13th birthday, 
Here I am, a girl about to turn a teenager. That was a big time I mean, in my life. It was like, I'm about to be a teenager. This is so exciting. I wanted to grow up before my time. I always was that way. I wanted to be older. And, um, and I, I have an older sister, and people would always say, oh, your sister looks younger than you do. Your sister looks younger than you do. You know, I was like, and my sister hated it. She thought, I'm the older one. And then one lady told Joy one day, she said, don't worry about it, Joy. You're going to like that when you and Lynn get older. <laughs> She's going to look older than you. I'm here to tell you it is not true. She does. She doesn't look younger than I. But anyway, <coughs> I love my older sister, Joy, and she was here. She would laugh, too. But anyway, um, here I am getting sidetracked. So, God comforts like a mother comforts. And I remember that particular night was a Wednesday night, two days before, tw September the 28th. I can remember the date. In fact, I went and looked it up the other day when September the 28th was, and it was a Wednesday night. So I had my memory correct and all that. But um, we had been to church that night. My dad was the pastor. We're the last ones to leave, which is so often the case. And pastor's families, they're the last ones to leave the church. And so it was kind of late, even though we were I was a kid and all my siblings were kids as well. But we got home, and it was time to get ready for bed. We got ready for bed. I did everything to get ready for bed. And I must have just been so happy that night. I can't remember because I decided just without thinking to run and jump in my bed. And that was a fun thing. I had done it many times, you know. Of course, my mom didn't know it. But I would run, and I would jump in my bed and just, ah, you know, and just have fun. It was just fun to do. Uh, well, this night, I jumped too far. And I jumped, and I, a window was near my bed. And I, my, I hit the windowsill with my front tooth. And ladies, it popped that front tooth right in half. It fell out. Well, not only was that there the pain of the trauma of that happening, um, because I I exposed the nerve. That's what it was. So I had that pain. I had the trauma of the soreness and everything. But the pain. Anytime I would open my mouth, the air would go straight to that exposed nerve. Oh, it wasn't. Well, my dad ended up sleeping on the couch that night, and my mom said, you're going to sleep with me, Lynn. I'm going to take care of you. And so there she was, you know. I was crying, and she was, you know, there holding me, consoling me, telling me it was going to be all right. We'd have, we'd get it taken care of. She said, in the morning, we'll get up, and I'm going to call somebody to find the best dentist we can get to. And we'll get you there, Lynn, and we'll get that tooth fixed. Well, in my little mind, all I could think was, I'm going to have a half tooth the rest of my life. I'm going to look horrible. And, and I said to Mom, when she was consoling me, I said to her, I said, but Mom, you're already married. <laughs> that was in my mind. And my mom didn't laugh at me. Oh, wasn't that silly? But not for a little 12-year-old girl about to turn 13. It wasn't. And um, she just hugged me, and she said, Lynn, we're going to get it fixed. Don't worry about that. Well, she was right. Obviously, she was right. The next morning, we got up. We went to Pensacola. I was born in I'm a Florida girl, so I love water, too, Melanie. Uh, I was born there. <laughs> and um, we went, and it was taken care of. 
and uh, and I'm living to tell the story. I'm on my second artificial, you know, porcelain tooth. <laughs> After I tr- got in my 20s, all my other teeth had grown, and that other one was short. You know, it's like, yeah, I do have a short tooth, so we got that taken care of. But um, my mom was there for me. She entered into that pain. I can remember she had tears in her eyes. She was hurting for me because that was pretty traumatic. You know, not only did she have a little girl who was emotionally upset because she was never going to get married because she had an ugly tooth, but her daughter had just gone through a bunch of pain and was still going through it. And as God's Word says through the prophet Isaiah, as a mother, as one whom his mother comforteth, so I will comfort you. Isn't that something? The word comforteth there means sighs with. Can you picture that? God, your God, your Father, sighs with you when you are distressed, when you are hurting, when something's going on in your life that has broken your heart. He literally sighs with you. He enters into that hurt with us, and he sighs. He understands. He feels our pain, for sure. Um, Hebrews 4.15 says, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Our high priests understand understands and he sighs with us well while you're entering into the pain with someone that you are there to comfort number one listen to them let them talk you don't have to talk they don't need you to talk right now they just need you to listen at this point that's what they need so listen to them don't interrupt them don't try to give counsel They need to feel your arms of love and comfort around them. They really do. Have you ever heard the old saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care? And that is so true. And some people are more in tune to picking up if you really care for them or not. In fact, most people are. So people want to know that you care before they know what you want to know what you know. So listen to them. And then number two, care for their immediate needs at the moment. And then continue to care for their own ongoing needs as you can. If you know they have a need at the moment when you are there to comfort them, you take care of that need within your possible possibility, I should say. And then continue to be there for them as you can. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, someone asked Jesus one time, What's the first commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, It's so important. Where it says there, bear ye one another's burdens, that term bear 
means to carry with endurance. In other words, you're there for them for the long haul. It's not just a one-time go in, try to meet a need they have at that moment, and then you never check up on them. You never go back. You never ask them how they're doing. You never meet with them again. No. To bear one another's burdens means that you are there for the long haul. A burden is an extra heavy load, ladies. It's difficulties or problems people have trouble dealing with. That's what a burden. And uh, and honestly, we all find ourselves in that type of situation from one time to another. We have burdens that overwhelm us at times, and we don't know what to do. But it always helps if someone is there to care and to be there. Because ladies, 2 Corinthians tells us, because you have been comforted by God, you're to give that comfort to others. You're not off the hook. It's not just, oh, you know, we're so such selfish people. We're such, you know, self-focused people. It's like, I want people to come and help me. I want people to come and understand my heavy burden, my load. But, you know, yours isn't really as bad as mine is. Oh, are you kidding me? Everybody has burdens. As we've already learned this weekend, they're tailored-made for us. They're, they're come from the hands of God. I can remember when God taught me that back many years ago when all this study on Psalm 91 came about. It was like, you know, if this trial in my life comes from God, if it's Father filtered just for me, then if it's okay with God, it has to be okay with me. That truth landed in my heart several years ago. And anytime any burden comes into your life, ladies, it's there for a reason. And you, because God has comforted you with that burden that you had, you're to pay it forward. And you're to comfort others. That's a commandment in Scripture there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So very important. Okay, so we're to enter into their pain with them. And then number two, we are to share with them how God has comforted us. Okay, that's what Paul did here in the passage in 2 Corinthians. Let's go there. Starting in verse 8, Paul is talking. Now, at first, like we said, just listen to him. But at a point, it comes where you're there to help. And you're to share with, with them what God has given you and helped you through your time of struggle. Paul says here in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. Ladies, I don't think we really understand. There was such pressure on Paul and the people that were with him that they didn't think they were going to make it. They truly thought they were going to die. They really did, but he said we had the sen- he, but we had the sentence in, of death in ourselves. Why? So we wouldn't trust ourselves, but that we should trust in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us up for so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. Paul is sharing with these people. I understand. 
when burdens and, and trials are so heavy upon you that you don't even think you can breathe. And in Paul's case, they really feared for their life, whatever it was that was happening at this time. And Paul was saying, let me tell you, God came to our rescue. He delivered us. And He will deliver you. That's a, that gives people hope. It really does. Just be there and share with them what God has done. Uh, I told you last night that I was asked last week to give a testimony, a brief testimony, and, um, and I did. It was brief. In fact, it was under the time allotment I was given. But anyway, uh, about the things, some things God had taught me last year going through my husband's illness. Uh, and I shared with you about the comfort of hope, or the comfort of peace that God gave me. Well, there's another thing that I shared with them that night, and I want to share it with you today. God also gave me the comfort of his faithfulness. God is faithful, ladies. And that is such a great comfort. Why? Because I can depend on him. He is who he says he is. And the promises in his word are true. Um... Last year, 2018, I think the last week of January was the last paycheck, quote-unquote, my husband got for a whole year. We didn't have any income. God has ordained that my husband and I, just like Megan and her husband, live off of the free will offering of God's people as we go to churches, church after church after church. My husband couldn't go. There was no way he could go and preach for a whole year. I mean, almost to the day, a whole year. And I want to be a comfort to you, any of you that maybe are struggling right now in some financial difficulty or um, maybe just anything to, to, to just say to you that God truly is faithful. His word is true. When he says, give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and overflowing. And then he says, shall men give to your bosom? And this is not a pat on back to Morrison Lynn Gleiser by any means because we are sinners. We fail the Lord just like we all do. But God in his faithfulness supplied our needs and above, much above. We received check after check after check. Often it was, it was week after week. Sometimes it was day after day. And even, ladies, sometimes it's from people we didn't even know. We met every bill. We have a mortgage just like you do. We have car payments just like you do. We have all the things that go with owning a home and, you know, the trash pickup, the insurance. We've got all of that just like you do. Never missed a payment. We're never even hard-pressed thinking, oh, no, this is coming up. We've got to have some money. We had two different pastors and an evangelist contact us. Please let us, give us a list of all the people, all the churches you've been in across America, and let us write a letter and let them know of your situation. We didn't even tell these people of our situation. You know, you have 
you know, people in the ministry, they know you're not going out ministering, so you're not getting any money. And Morris, my husband said, you know, to all of them, let, let us pray about it. We did. And he came back and said, no, that's not what God wants for us. You know, that's okay. If, if you're, if, you know, you do a GoFundMe fund or whatever and people give to that, that's why I'm not saying anything against it. I'm just saying that wasn't what we were supposed to do. And God supplied. Why did he supply? Because he's faithful to his word. You give, and it shall be given unto you. I, I remember two uh, separate times talking to both my boys and telling them what God had done. And, um, and I said to them, guys, I hope you're giving. I hope you're being faithful to God because he, he won't lie. He can't lie. Remember? Two immutable things. He swears an oath by himself and by his word. He can't lie. And his word is true. And he is faithful to his word. And ladies, I give the same challenge to you. I hope you're giving. I hope you're giving cheerfully. Because God is not a debtor to any man. And what he says in his word is true. You can take it to the bank and spend it. And it was made abundantly clear to my husband and I this last year. So I've shared that with you. I hope it's a comfort. Not until last week had I ever shared that. I just don't share it, especially publicly. But I thought it was time. I'm supposed to give comfort to you with the same comfort God gave to me. So I've done it tonight. And I hope, I hope, or this afternoon, I hope you're comforted. So, share how God has comforted you. Your testimony provides hope to others who may be despairing. And then, mutual suffering always binds hearts together. My husband has given testimony over and over again that he had received so many cards, so many uh, texts, so many phone calls. You know, people were so kind last year, and God has given us friends all over the states and all over the world, really. We've got friends in many other places that somehow heard, and, um, and, and all those texts and, and phone calls and notes were also appreciated and really needed. Um, that's God working in the church. It was a wonderful thing to see. But he says the ones that helped him, to, the phone calls, the text, the, the notes that helped him the most came from people who had been through what he was going through. Helped him the most. Gave him the most hope. Really, it did. From other cancer survivors. So, We've got to comfort others with the comfort we've been comforted with. It's a commandment in Scripture, and it also binds hearts. It truly does. It binds, mutual suffering binds hearts together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. You know, in your local churches, those are the, I guess, three churches that are represented here. 
you are all members of one body in your church and you are there for each other. You rejoice with each other. You suffer with each other. You're there for each other, whatever. And then as the universal body of Christ, we're to all be there for each other and to help in comfort. That's so important. And then we're to pray for them. Not only are we to enter in suffering with them and then share how God has comforted us, we're to pray for them. 1 Corinthians 1.11 said, Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Intercessory prayer is crucial. Um, Ashley mentioned that in our prayer time today. That is so important, having that intercessory prayer for one another. It's intervening on the behalf of another. It's what you're doing. You're coming to God saying, this person needs help. And you're laying out that before God. You know what? That would take care of a bunch of bickering in churches if we would just intervene for one another, pray for them. We are a family. We're God's family. And we're to intervene for one another. Well, it was so wonderful that we went around today in the prayer time and found out each other's burden, each other's need, what we could pray for for them. And take those home and do it. Pray for them. Not just while you're here this weekend. Pray for them. And if there's a way to follow up on those prayer requests, then do it. Uh, but those people that you took their prayer request should know that you will pray for them. And you be faithful to do it. Um, it not only benefits the one you are intervening for, interceding for, I should say, on, on their behalf to God, but it also benefits you because you get away from the me syndrome. You know, woe is me. Everything is wrong in my world, and people need to know how I'm suffering. Please. Okay. What is the sufferer's responsibility? Number one, allow others to comfort you. That may sound facetious and silly, but oh, so often we just want to talk, 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 and, and we don't, and we push people away. Maybe I should say we push people away from us in our dire need. We can do that, but allow people to comfort you. And then number two, run to the ultimate comforter and allow him to infuse renewed hope back into your soul. God is our comfort. He comforts like a father and he comforts like a mother. And we, as his children, are to learn from him and obey his word and give that comfort to others. Hope. It's what we've been talking about all weekend, isn't it? Hope. The anchor of our soul. We can't make it in this life without hope, ladies. We can't. And we won't make it to eternal life with God without it. We won't. Do you have that blessed hope? That living hope inside of you? I hope you do. 
please do not leave this conference if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Because that's the first way we're supposed to be sharing hope is by telling others the good news that Jesus saves. That is our responsibility as a Christian. Uh, Hope is a spiritual attitude. It has to be fostered by, by making God's Word our intimate companion and by living in the secret place, trusting Him, and then by sharing biblical comfort. You know, the Apostle Paul often used faith, hope, and love together in his epistles. I loved the, the plaque that was given today, the faith, hope, and charity plaque. Wasn't that you that you gave that? It's beautiful. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, now abideth faith, hope, and charity. But it goes on to say, but the greatest of these is charity. Now, we've not been talking, well, we have been talking about God's love, what he did for us on the cross, and, and how he comforts us. But it says there, we have faith, hope, and love. Charity. Same word. But the greatest is charity. Why would it say that the greatest is charity? The reason is, love or charity will be forever. It's eternal. It is the only one of those three that has the, is a God-like quality. It's the only one. It's the only one that will last. It's the only one that will take us through eternity. It will always be. Faith, one day, will turn to sight. We won't need faith anymore, right? When we get to heaven and we see him and know him as we are, we don't need faith anymore. It's sight. Hope, I wrote here, will be realized. Our hope that we're hoping and hanging on to and clinging to that gets us through this life, when we get to heaven and we're with the Lord, Hope will be realized, and we won't need hope anymore. But love is God's quality. It will last forever. And keep that in mind with this sharing comfort. What you're doing is you're sharing God's love. And that, ladies, will not only take you into eternity, but it will last through eternity. Wonderful truth. Jesus is our reason to hope. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He truly is the anchor for our soul.